Good morning. Welcome to Daily Coffee, our unsafe space with Carter and Carrie. Today is Thursday, October 3rd, and we're happy you can join us. Welcome back, Carrie. Thanks, Carter. How you doing? I, I good. Thank you. I was I really appreciate the day off. Thank you. <laughs> I needed it. What about you. I got some Why? that were like, is Carrie okay? Oh, yeah, I just needed a break. I should probably plan the break sooner so it's not just like, I'm going to kill you if I don't have a day off. <laughs> yeah, we should plan and less better. But great good. And uh, when you get a chance to watch the episode, it was I think you'll enjoy it. So I'm very happy that Gracie was willing and able to do that. Yes, yes. Um, so you, uh, you brought something up to me today that I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Can I introduce this? I can play it. Uh, a friend of mine shared this video. It's a it's a uh, Nature Valley ad. They're the ones that make they make granola bars, and I have a couple thoughts. A, as we know, we've d- talked about woke ads. I don't like it when ads are are engaging in some type of moralizing or messaging outside of just telling me about the product. Just tell me about your friggin' granola bars or your razors or whatever it is. However, I do like the message of this ad but I don't want to be a hypocrite and be like, Oh, this is great. Like it's, I like the message, but I still wish it wasn't coming from a granola bar. <laughs> like, yeah. In fact, I, I, I watched the ad with my daughter this morning and at the end she said, who's nature Valley. And I said, they make granola bars. She's like, what does that have to do with screen time? It's like, Nothing. Eh, they want, exactly. I actually said, you know, well, they want you to associate their brand with, nature whatever which i get uh, but just to be clear uh nature valley is general mills general mills is a 30 billion dollar company which is only about the tenth of the size of procter and gamble um but still a, a large corporation trying to kind of virtue signal at least it's not woke that's the thing that i at least it's not like i don't think it's woke it's yeah like, at least it's not woke i i totally agree it would be even worse if it were messaging i thought was atrocious yeah, let's play it. Just for, I don't think we'll get a copyright hit for this because it's an ad. So, it's a commercial. Don't they want it played? <laughs> so let's give it a shot. When you were a kid, what did you do for fun? So we go blueberry picking, for instance. Uh, just that's so cute. <laughs> We grew watermelons, um, plantains. I found an old sign which was big enough for me to sit on and made a great toboggan. It was very slick, very fast. (laughs) I had a few fish in my basket and I looked up on this bluff and here's this black bear sitting there watching me. If he starts chasing me, I'm going to keep throwing the fish out of my basket until he's gorged and and he won't bother me. And what did you like to do for fun? You know, you go door to door, get a group of kids, and you play uh, lots of games, uh, hide and seek, just going out to the field and playing baseball. And we build these massive forts, you know, the kind that you can actually sit in and and, and play in, you know, with, with our friends, and it was just really wonderful. So what do you like to do for fun? Video games. Definitely. I like to go on my phone. Text. Some email. My favorite thing to do in the world is definitely watching videos and playing video games. Those take up so much of my time. Three hours, or t- three to four hours a day. Same. Five hours straight. Just last week, 
I watched 23 episodes of a TV series in less than four days. I forget. I'm in a house. I have parents. I have a sister. I have a dog. I just think I'm in the video game. I completely get lost. I would die if I don't have my tablet. Whenever I feel upset, I'd play video games and I'd feel normal. It's really wonderful. When your daughters grow up, your great-great-grandkids, what do you think will happen if this trend continues? I don't think we need to watch the rest of the ad. That's like the, the essence of it. I forgot they just kind of... Yeah, it makes me, like, emotional. It makes me want to cry. <sighs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I get that. Just just for some stats. So here, maybe I'll pull up some stats. Just to be, you know, because anecdotes... And, and a cherry-picked anecdotes from a breakfast cereal company uh, are not always reliable. But let's just look at some quick stats. <laughs> so this is figure A here. Let me move it over here. A mobile device is in the home. So mobile devices in the home I don't care about. But let's look at the, the bottom line here is kids who own their own tablet. This is kids from 0 to 8 years old. So from 2011, we were down at less than 1%. We're now, uh, this is in 2017, it was at 42%. So it's probably I'm sure it's higher now. All right, that's a huge, huge uptick. Um, you can also see uh, screen use has gone away from since 2011. Screen use has switched from, um, oops, has switched from TV and DVD and even computers gone down, mobile devices skyrocketed. And even video game player, a console player has gone down. Lots of mobile use. And the most, I think the most telling one here, this is average time spent per day. Um, again, this is all kids ages zero to date, and then they have it broke zero to eight, and then they have it broken down under two, two to four, and five to eight. And you can see the screen time, we're talking from five to eight, we're talking almost three hours every single day on average. So that means some kids less, some kids more. Um, under two, we're under two. We're still almost at an hour. It's forty-two minutes, which is, in my estimation, quite a lot for a kid under two. And uh, the one last thing. Wait, go is, back to that one real quick. Yep. Zoom in on that one again. What is zero? Oh, I see a total total two point. I see. Never mind. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's so it's they have TV, DVD, mobile, computer, and video. Right. Obviously, most of this is mobile and TV are the are the two big ones here. And one other thing to note is that actually this is very dependent on income. So if you want to, if you're worried about how this might affect different economic stratas, if you'll notice the screen media use by income in 2011. Uh, average time from zero to eight year olds was an hour and 52 minutes for higher income people. And it's gone down to an hour and 50 minutes. So the high income people are aware of this. They're aware of the dangers. They know that this is a problem and probably they have the resources to do other things more easily. But the lower income, it's gone from two hours and 32 minutes up to three hours and 29 minutes. And actually middle income has also gone up. So although very slightly. So this is, um, this is a real problem if you view screen time as a problem, which I, I do, but I, not everyone does. So I, my friend who shared this, I saw some discussion on his wall about it. 
And it was very interesting to me because I'm not a parent and I don't know what the challenges are like to have a kid today in this day and age in this culture. However, I have my gut reaction about what I think I would do and how I would limit it. And um, actually Gracie who filled in yesterday, I saw she posted something once about she had just given her child a flip phone. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> I would, I would do a flip phone. I'm sorry. But, but uh, some of these parents were saying, and I'm curious to get your take on it. There's this, feeling of just acquiescence of, um, well, this is the culture we live in now. And one of the mothers actually said, yeah, well, when we were kids, the place where kids socialized was outside and on the playground and in nature and in people's backyards and playing, you know, that's where the kids were. That's where they socialized. She was like, but now this is where they socialize is online. Right. As if it's just like, that's just, it, it, that's where it's happening. Therefore it's fine. Yeah. So first let me just tell everyone where I got that in case people are wondering that was from commonsensemedia.org. Um, commonsensemedia.org is actually a site that I use for, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's got, if you are thinking about watching a movie with a child, um, they kind of go through, you know, sex, violence, language, drug use. They kind of show you, tell you, they estimate age appropriateness for the movies. Not all of them are accurate. I mean, you know, you use your own judgment, but it's helpful. So that those stats were from, from a study by common sense media. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, I ha I'm, I'm hesitant to be a total Luddite about this and be like, Oh, you shouldn't do any you know, screen time, bad, bad, because it's online. Therefore it's bad. I mean, that's, that's not true because something's online doesn't make it bad. I agree. You know, the flip side is um, most screen time is extremely passive, actually. And passive entertainment isn't good. Um, so sticking, you know, a lot of parents use screens as babysitting tools because kids will whine or complain or, or whatever. They're annoying the parents, whatever it is. And so they stick on a Disney movie or stick them in front of an iPad or whatever it is. And it's, I think parents who, who make the argument that like, well, no, it's good for them because now kids socialize online or they need to learn computers, which this has nothing to do with learning how to do anything. Uh, you know, there's no marketable skills come out of this. Uh, they're, they're lying to themselves. It's just convenience for the parents. And, and look, I, my daughter didn't see a movie at all until she was six. Six years old was the first time she saw a movie and she, it was frozen and it was the first movie she ever saw. She had zero screen time. It's possible to do. And I'm not anything special. Every generation before me had zero screen time, basically <laughs> like because there weren't screens. So the idea that like, Oh, you, you just can't do it without a screen. It's so difficult to parent. What the hell are you talking about? Screens are brand new. We've had, all of humanity has parented without screens through our entire history. Uh, kids need to, you know, kids. So what's, you know, the thing that this is related to is, and one thing I, I like about the message in the commercial, although I agree with you, you know, it's kind of weird to have a, you know, <laughs> breakfast cereal or breakfast bar company or whatever, you know, granola bar company. Right. But um, one thing that's related to this is, the lack of 
engagement not only with nature but also free range engagement with other kids without supervision so this is actually something i i also spoke to my daughter about this morning after watching this commercial you know i don't know how it was like with you carrie but if you notice all the all the stories from the older people in that commercial there weren't there was no adult supervision yeah so that actually was another um theme that i saw in the responses to this on my friend's wall was a well that this is just where kids socialize today therefore i have to let my kids socialize there and b uh i can't let my kid go outside and play because uh i'll have child protective services called on me and i know they were offering anecdotal evidence to i know someone who had child protective services called on them someone else gave an example they said yeah i was babysitting for a neighbor and I let the kids go outside and play on their own swing sets. And I had two different mothers come and knock on my door who were driving by or whatever. And we're like, why are those kids unattended? Right. So that, and, is, that is an issue. In fact, you can go to um, freerangekids.com, which is a, a site that supports parents who want to have let their kids be free range. But they, they talk about, um, they'll, they do have anecdotes like that where people get arrested for or, or have their children taken away or threatened to be taken away just for norm, stuff that's totally normal. Um, but they cite some stats here just in case you're a parent that's worried. Um, violent crimes at a 50-year-old, you're low. The risk of child abduction by strangers is very low. Car accidents are the leading cause of death among children. Lack of exercise is a contributing factor to the short-term and long-term health risk for children. And it is in the public interest for children to walk and cycle to their day-to-day -day destinations and to play outside unsupervised. And so they have all this, they have some information here you can get. But yeah, so unsupervised is an interesting thing. When kids play unsupervised, as I did, I'm sure you did, right? I mean, it, absolutely. I'll, like, get out of the house and I'll, I'll yell from the porch when it's dinner. But not even that. Like, as my friend pointed out, he was like, uh, it, it's not so much about get out of the house. It's It was more like, no, now you have to come back in. Like we wanted to be out there playing. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's true, like actually, that's they true. had to cajole us to come inside. That's where the phrase "I think I hear your mother calling" comes from, right? Yes, like, we're hanging out, and there was one kid that people were annoyed by or whatever. Someone would be like, "I think I hear your mother calling," which is kind of like, <laughs> yeah, You're the I, I hear your mom. You just don't hear her, you better go home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we all played outside. We wanted to be playing outside. Um, we did have to be, I mean, there were times when, when a parent would have to, you know, start walking a few blocks, to try and find the kids because they're screaming at the top of their lungs that it's dinner time for Johnny or whatever. And Johnny's not coming uh, because he's busy with his friends or is not paying attention. But when kids are alone, they have to, they have to solve problems together. And which, you know, if you're into Montessori at all, is a, is a, one of the key components of Montessori is, is kids one of the key insights is that self-esteem is is partially built by actually accomplishing things on your own and like being able to do things on your own. You don't want to rob kids of the ability to to fail and then and then succeed on their own. So they're solving problems on their own, but they're also, and I think this is hugely important, they're also negotiating with each other without an authority figure. So no one can go, hey, Mrs. Smith, Sally, did blah 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 and I don't know like no one there's no appeal to authority at all zero there's no appeal to authority it's kids getting along sometimes they don't sometimes they fight sometimes there's hurt feelings sometimes there's you know 
clicks that form, people, you know, get kicked out, come back in. Kids have to deal. And, and one of the things I remember just as a boy is when there was uh, ostracism of a kid for whatever reason, that there was a natural uh, reason to undo that because the kid would be ostracized and then it would be like, oh, we need to play soccer. Well, we need more kids. Like, or we need to play baseball. <laughs> like, okay, he can come back in and like, they'd be back in and someone would also get ostracized for some reason or whatever. But he, it was just, and you learned things. Like you said, you learn things about social interactions and, yeah. and yeah. It, you learn it just, what gets other people annoyed with you. Uh, you know what yeah. Likeable Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, don't raise kids that you don't like or something like that. I don't remember his exact. Don't right. let your kids do anything that makes you not like them. Right. So <laughs> it's like, this is part of free range kids. You know, they, they are able to do this, but online, um, first of all, there's a level of an- anonymity. So you don't have the same social dynamic of having to get along. And there's basically an infinite supply of children online. It's not that you've got the 15 kids in your neighborhood and you got to figure out how to work together. There's, you know, a billion kids or whatever it is. And so you, you just, you know, you, you break up with someone online, so to speak, from a friendship perspective, or you're mean, and there's anonymous people being mean. There's no, you don't have to learn to get along. It's, 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 much, it's much easier to bully and be mean also online. But it's also yeah. very passive, right? You're being entertained. The idea that you're learning anything from watching is, you know, obviously you can learn some facts, I guess, if you're watching documentaries or something, but you're not learning anything in general. You're certainly not learning anything about computers by playing video games. Well, and also we've never talked about this. I know we may have, we briefly mentioned it, but we never, we should do an episode on it one day, but just like the weird kids videos that are on YouTube, like disturbing. There's, there was a whole article about some of these and I went down a rabbit hole of watching some of them and it freaked me out. Cause I know parents who just leave their kids alone with YouTube as a babysitter. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, uh, that my friend who posted this mentioned, you know, he, he, what you were talking about, the passive aspect of it, like allowing the screen to babysit and parent instead of doing so yourself or having a sibling do so. I, he, he was saying, you know, I, when I go out to restaurants, if I do see kids there, a lot of times they're all on screens while the adults talk. They're not learning how to interact with adults. They're not learning how to be present while the adults talk and have adult conversation. They're not learning any of that. They're just in their own world. Like that kid in the video says, I forget that I have a family and a dog and I'm just in the video, right? And so they, he, that's, that's the passive aspect of it. And I've, I've seen parents do the opposite. I, this friend in particular, his children are really impressive when it comes to being at a table with adults who are having adult conversation and being really attentive. And I can tell his sons are trying to figure out what we're talking about and are like, they're engaged. Yeah. And they're, um, it's just, it's just a different, it's a different type of parenting. Oh, it's great. I mean, and sometimes it's our fault as parents, we had to institute a rule at our dinner table, basically for my wife and myself, which was like, no cell phones. Like, because sometimes you bring your phone to the table because you're like, still there's work going on or whatever. And adults take themselves out of the conversation by like focusing on yes. text or whatever. And then the kid is bored because like, and so is the other adults. Like it, it destroys the dynamic. So we have, you know, part of this, like, admittedly, part of it is limiting your own screen time. If you're coming home and just plopping down in front of the couch and watching six hours of Netflix, well, you can't tell your kid to not stare at a screen all day. Yes. You've got to change your own behavior. So for example, we don't have 
phones at the table, at least. And other times we, we also try to not have phones, but at least at the table, there aren't phones so we can have a conversation. I think that is a great rule, Carter. In fact, I think I'm going to make that a rule for myself because I was at a dinner uh, uh, this past week where I asked a friend, like, would you mind turning your phone upside down? Because you keep texting and it's like distracting because we're having this conversation and you keep leaving the conversation. And then the same friend pointed out to me two days later that I was doing the same thing. <laughs> You know what, I've, uh, I've been at a dinner that where someone has done this and it's a, it was a great idea. It was a dinner with um, a bunch of founders, many, almost all of them more successful than me, like really good founders that have done some really amazing things. But as you can imagine, they're rather tethered to their phones, right? But we all want to have dinner together and we want to have a conversation. We don't want it, people checking their email. So what we did was we... Um, Everyone had to put their phone in the center of the table. I was going to say, did you put your phones in the basket and then go home with the ones that the people that you picked? To, never mind. No. It's a swingers joke. <laughs> That's what they did in the 60s. Um, <laughs> no, we, we all put our phones in the middle of the table. And the first person to grab their phone paid for the bill for everyone. That was the rule. So Ooh. Like, Ooh. Anyway, it was like thousands of dollars because it was a decent restaurant and it was a lot of people. And so touching your phone, it better be really freaking important for you to reach in the middle. So did you just have a stalemate where you guys were there all night? Like nobody wanted to reach no, for their phone? If, if no one touched their phone, you would split the bill. Okay. Right. But someone inevitably, someone usually towards the end, it would last for a while. But towards the end, someone would be like, you know, I'm sorry, I just got to, they would like, and then, you know answer some email or go to something and you know it was fine because it was full of people who could stomach uh paying for the dinner but still um you know you do little things like that i, I think it is i think it is super i think it's super important um the other thing there's a couple a couple other things carrie one is um i think not being outside I, you know obviously i'm not an environmentalist but i do spend a lot of time out, i love nature i love being outside i do spend a lot of time outside. Um, I know you do as well. And being outside gives you a connect. The, the reason that there's a connection to nature is I think is necessary or one of the reasons, and there's probably a lot of reasons. One of them is um, kid, people don't seem to have any idea where anything comes from anymore. So it's like the world is almost a video game. You go to the supermarket and you buy packaged chicken or packaged beef, and there's no translation of like, that comes from this animal that was living and ate food and then was killed, and this is how it worked. Like, there's that connection is missing. And when that connection is missing, um, I think you start to see a lot of irrational, first of all, I think you see a lot of irrational nature worship. If you spend time out in nature, you realize how A, beautiful it is, and B, hostile it is. And there's this weird like worship of the, the noble savage kind of primitive nature worship. But I, I think that, I think that's a lot easier if your experience of nature is like BBC documentaries or once in a while going glamping. Right. Yeah. Not well, you and I talked about this before um, offline. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I remember in a private conversation because I, I, I have uh, a friend who, who, that being in nature, hiking and stuff is the way she commu she communicates with God. That's when she feels closest to God. That's when she's like 
the closest in terms of prayer and just feels like, yeah, just closeness. And even if you're not a Christian or you don't believe in God, I think, I think you could argue that there's a sense of awe at, when you're out in nature at how big everything is, at how massive the universe is, at how small and, and in some ways insignificant we are and, uh, and that we're, and that you're a part of something, but you, that you're a part of something, we're all a part of something much bigger that this isn't life. Isn't a movie starring me. <laughs> right. Right. Which I think is a lot of how these kids are raised. Um, which is life is a movie starring them. But yeah, absolutely. You, you see that there's uh, you also get to see all the different, like you realize every little creature's got its own world and its own life that's happening and everything is affecting everything else. And you also get to see, I mean, not that this is, I know this is going to sound macabre, but you get to see death as a part of the life cycle much more. Yes. Like we had a, um, a deer got into our neighbor's yard and his dogs ripped the deer to shreds, just like destroyed the deer. Um, and I think my daughter was like three or four at the time. And he hauled the deer out back and just like threw it over the fence. Cause it's just wilderness behind our, our houses. And so I took her out there and she like poked the carcass with a stick. We visited the carcass like every day and watched it like slowly disappear until coyotes took the bones and the rest of it away. But like there was this, fascination with like okay this is this is what happens other animals come in they use this for food and they live on it and then like it it sounds gross but that cycle of nature is kind of important to understand that this is this is what this is reality this is you know this is the reality of all creatures we die and we return to the earth um and it's not glamorous it's ugly and it's disgusting and it happens and nature is beautiful and nature is pretty cruel sometimes and i think you know being detached from it you know if if your idea of nature is the electronic corn farm that you built in your little app uh i think you know you're you're missing something big um i don't know carrie uh it reminds me of one one last story i know i'm storytelling but this i love this subject uh I have a, there was a colleague that I worked with, um, I don't know, well, 20 years ago, but then probably hadn't seen him for 10 years, I guess. I sold the company and went our separate ways and super smart guy, just didn't, you know, we weren't real super buddies. I'm also not very a friendly person, frankly. So I don't, I don't maintain friendships well. I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, I noticed the other day he has kids and, and now, and he gave a really interesting talk about what he's doing with kids regarding teaching them to be independent. And he gave this great story about how he remembers this time when he rode his bike for the first time somewhere without parents and how empowered he felt that he, he could do this on his own and how it was a life changing experience for him. And he remind you know, when he was telling the story, I was reminded like, Oh yeah, I remember I used to drive, I used to take my bike to school when I was in elementary school, which nowadays I think your parents will be arrested if you just, you know, rode your bike to school a mile and a half or two miles or whatever. Or yeah, I used to walk to school. Yeah. A lot of kids walk to school, but, um, he tried, he's trying to recreate that in an urban environment for kids. And he had, he did this really great project where he gave, he gave these three kids. One of them was his, a map and a compass and a quest to like 
go into the city, like follow the map from his house through the city to public transit, get on public transit, like buy your tickets, get on public transit, go to a Safeway or whatever, buy the ingredients for a picnic lunch, um, then get back on public transit, go to some park somewhere, walk to the park and have a picnic lunch, which seems not a big deal, but if you're in first grade, it's a huge deal. And all he did was stay back like 50 feet with the camera and kind of give a loose tail to them to make sure that they, you know, they weren't being abducted or anything, <laughs> nothing horrible, right? And they completed this entire task and you could see the, the joy on their faces at the end of like, we did all this by ourselves. It took them like 20 minutes to figure out how to buy train tickets and stuff. But uh, there are things that you can do as a parent, but I, I think- um, Well, that know. makes me think of the chapter in Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life about parenting as well, because he talks about, or it might've been a different chapter, but he talks about people needing meaning and purpose. And, um, and you can see this in studies with, like there was a study he mentions of uh, people in like an elderly a retirement home or old folks home, whatever, who they were, they were given uh, pet, they were assigned pets to take care of and how it increased their morale. It, 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 increase their physical like it was good for their physical health it was good for their emotional health that gave them a sense because you're doing something you're useful in some way yeah. and he talked about this with little kids and how and you've probably seen interviews where he talks about this you know a kid as young as four i don't know i can't remember what age but it's like you set the table and even if the kid's like walking around like putting the silverware up on the table <laughs> but it, they're learning how to be useful even at a young age, instead of doing everything for them, right? The way that in this culture, it's all about like doing everything for them, sheltering them, even like, you know, in these admission scandals, like get, getting them into colleges they don't deserve to be at, like, you know, just completely bubble wrapping them. It is total bubble wrap. Um, and, you know, it, one of the, so one of my friends, I remember before I had a daughter, um, one of my friends had kids. And we were about to have our first child and we were thinking like, oh, we're going to get the plastic plates and plastic, like all the plastic stuff. And he was like, no, 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 My kids had to use glass and like dishes. And I was like, well, what aren't they, what are they, what they're going to break them? And he's, yeah, they're going to break them. And, break and then they learn not to break and them. And then they're going to be really careful after <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be really careful. But if exactly. you plastic crap on the floor and it bounces, then dropping is, has no consequence. It's like minimum consequence. So they're not learning how to be careful with things. That's great. So, yeah. And this, this guy that was trailing the, the kids on the quest, he let them, there's a point where they were like, walked in the wrong direction in the city for 20 minutes or whatever. And he was like, I don't know. Like I, he didn't, there was no correction. And he was just happy. Like he knew, look, I got my cell phone. No matter what happens, I can call an Uber and we can get out of here. So it doesn't matter where they end up. It doesn't matter how wrong they get it, but giving kids that autonomy and letting them go be productive um, and, and feeling like they have efficacy in the world, I think is hugely important. And I don't see, you know, if you're spending multiple hours a day on, I mean, think about most of these kids, they're in prison schools, all all day where they have got to ask permission to go to the bathroom and you know 
stop studying math now. Now you have to study English. Like they're, they're in this prison system of a school all day long where they're being told what to do and move like drones from one place to another. And then they get home and plop in front of the couch and watch three hours of Netflix or some other thing. I don't, I would expect self-esteem issues to arise from that. How could you be, how could you feel good about yourself? Yeah. I don't know. I know we've gone a long time, but. Um, that's okay. We, uh, we should wrap it up though. Cause we have, um, deprogrammed today. We do. Um, yes. With this, Maria Tuscan from. With Maria Tuscan. It's so exciting. Yeah. So we'll, that'll probably be out before this, but. Oh, and we should say book club. Thank you guys for participating in the poll. It was overwhelmingly, yes. uh, you guys voted for the coddling of the American mind by um, uh, uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg, what's his name? Lukianoff? I'll say Luganus, but that's not it. He's a swimmer. Lukianoff. Lukianoff. Anyway, um, so we haven't picked a date yet for the next book club, but it'll be roughly a month from now. We'll announce the date soon. But that's going to be the book, so go get The Coddling of the American Mind. Which we have a link to there, and I haven't done this yet, but I'll put up a page where you can buy so. Yeah, if you go to the if you if you go to buy it, please use one of our affiliate links because it supports us to buy it. You're not buying it from us, but you're buying it through our referral. Right, uh, and that affiliate link is on the post on Facebook, and I'll put it in the bottom of this episode as well, since we're talking about book club today. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone, and we'll see you later. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Go to unsafespace.com. Um, you can donate, you can go to subscribe star, all that fun stuff, or you can just like and share and subscribe.